Uh, you're going to want to take notes because we've got small groups tonight. And so for those who haven't been here, uh, we always ask questions about what you took notes of. So you're going to have to pay attention and follow along with us and take notes because you will have to answer some small group questions about the notes you took. So if you have your scripture notebooks with us, um, I'm going to give a little context and then I will invite our guest speaker up. Okay, yes. Yes, you have to take notes. You know why? Why do you think you have to take notes? Because it helps you remember what was taught tonight. And we believe that your time here should be spent studying God's Word. And we think it is valuable for you to know God's truth and to put it to memory. So therefore, we take notes to remember, to look back, to reflect to remind yourself of the truth that you've learned at Hype Student Ministries. So, to give some context to uh, what we're about to read tonight, I need you guys to have your scripture notebooks open to John chapter 7, verses 53. That's going to be the start of our passage tonight. So, John 7, 53, right before John chapter 8. Now, before we read our passage and before we uh, introduce our guest speaker, I want you to take note of what it says right before the big eight on your on the bottom of page 44 on your scripture notebook. What does it say? What what's that bracketed text? Anybody? You have your scripture notebooks open. What does it say right above the eight? Yes, Daniel. Yes. So MSS means manuscripts, and so what this note means is that in the earliest manuscripts of, of Greek. So hopefully you know Old Testament was not originally written in English. It was written in Hebrew, translated to English. New Testament was not written in English. It was written in Greek and then translated to English. So the brackets mean that those verses did not appear in the earliest Greek manuscripts. So even though um, the earliest, sorry to back that up. So if that's the case, then why are these verses in the Bible? Why is this story that we're going to go over tonight in the Bible. Well, some of the earliest Greek manuscripts that we have now weren't discovered until after some of the early English Bibles were translated. So, for example, the popular King James Version. Who's in here has heard the King James Version? Like that phrase, that verbiage, King James. Anybody ever heard of King James? Yes, there's a King James Version of the Bible, very popular early English translation of the Bible, but it used later Greek manuscripts because they hadn't found the earliest ones yet. And so, it would cause such a controversy if these verses weren't included in the new, newer translations. Um, but So they include them, but they're in brackets. It's like a footnote that says, hey, this is in here because popular versions of the English Bible have included it in there. But according to what we know, that it's actually not part of the Gospel of John. So even though they weren't in the earliest manuscripts in John, it is still possible that this story that we're going to go through tonight, that we're going to hear testimony and how it relates to this story, it's still possible that this story was real. It did happen, but um, was placed mistakenly in, go in John's gospel. Uh, most scholars think that it most, uh, mostly would fit better in Luke's gospel. So when we read this story, when we study tonight, I want you to take note that it wasn't original to John's gospel, but we can read it. We can be reminded of the gospel truths that we already know, and we can be reminded of those as we read the story. So, I'm going to start reading. 
John 7, 53. So right above verse 1 of John 8. Then each one went to his house, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he went to the temple again, and all the people were coming to him. He sat down and began to teach them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery, making her stand in the center. Teacher, they said to him, this woman was caught in the act of committing adultery. In the law of Moses, uh, in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? They asked this to trap him in order that they might have evidence to accuse him. Jesus stooped down, started riding on the ground with his finger. When they persisted in questioning him, he stood up and said to them, The one without sin among you, you should be the first to throw a stone at her. Then he scooped down again, continued riding on the ground. And when they heard this, they left one by one, starting with the older men, and only when only he was left with the woman in the center. When Jesus stood up, he said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, Lord, she, she answered. Neither do I condemn you, said Jesus. Go, and from now on, do not sin anymore. That ends this story, the bracketed text that we talked about previously. I'm going to keep reading, though, until verse 20, verse 20, because I think this next section goes along with this story and connects this well. So verse 12, make sure you're underlining and, and writing observations or questions that you may have for your small groups. Verse 12, Jesus spoke to them again, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you are testifying about yourself. Your testimony is not valid. Even if I testify about myself, Jesus replied, then my testimony is true because I know where I came from and where I'm going. But you don't know where I come from or where I'm going. You judge by human standards. I judge no one, and if I do judge, my judgment is true, because it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. Even in your law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am the one who testifies about myself, and the Father who sent me testifies about me. And then they asked him, where is your Father? You know neither me nor my Father, Jesus answered. If you knew me, you would also know my Father. He spoke these words by the treasury while teaching in the temple, but no one sees him because his hour had not yet come. So, we read our passage. We have a testimony night that I've been talking about. Our guest speaker tonight is uh, Molly Rumley. She is a friend of Amber and I's. Um, she was at Moody Bible Institute while I was uh, also at Moody Bible Institute. Her husband, Justin, is another good friend of mine who is also at Moody Bible Institute as uh, when I was there. Um, as well, and we've um, been able to hang out since they are in the Peoria area. Justin is the chaplain at Pure Christian School, the high school, and Molly works for the pro-life organization, what's it called? Illinois Right to Life. She is a lobbyist at the Capitol, uh, uh, the Capitol building in Illinois in Springfield, and so that's where she works. Um, and so we are blessed and delighted to have her for our testimony night, and um, take note, go back to that story of, of, of the adulterous woman and take note um, because I think we will see a beautiful correlation and a, a beautiful teaching from Molly and just learning from her life and how 
um, the gospel has affected her life as much as it has affected um, people in the stories that we have just read. So please give your undivided attention and please welcome Miss Molly Rumling. So for those who have not been here for a testimony night, what we do is I ask questions and then our guests respond. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, and then, so I ask questions, and then she responds, um, and we just kind of have a cue and a kind of an interview style. And then at the end, if you have any questions for Molly, uh, feel free to ask at the end. Okay? So with that, we will start with our first question. What was your life like before your relationship with Jesus? Tell us a little bit about yourself. What was your life like um, before having that Jesus moment in your life? So first off, uh, thank you guys so much for having me. I'm really excited to, I love middle schoolers and high schoolers. Um, but that is kind of a trickier question to answer because I was blessed enough to grow up in a home where I had a lot of Christians around me. And so my parents all worked together from a really, my parents and grandparents all worked together to make sure that I knew the gospel from a really young age. Um, so I was blessed enough to come to know the Lord when I was just six. And I really think, you know, there can be some controversy about, oh, was that like really your moment of conversion? But I really do believe it, that it was. Um, but based on what I know about myself and about my tendencies and how um, my sinful tendencies, I can imagine what my life would have been like without Christ. So I didn't have like some crazy like conversion story like a lot of people do. Um, but I my mom came from a pretty rough background, and so it was really by the grace of God that I didn't go down some of the paths that my grandparents had gone down, for, for instance. Mm. So um, I get angry pretty easily. So um, it was one of those things where, like, um, because I knew the Lord from an early age, it wasn't uh, some crazy conversion story. So, yeah. Do you have brothers, sisters? Yes, I have. Where'd you live? Yeah. Where I, are you from? Uh, I am from the Quad Cities area. It's like an hour and a half north of here. Yeah. And um, yeah, I have a brother. Actually, I have two brothers and a sister. Um, and so, yeah, we used to fight all the time. So that um, it was definitely a part of sanctification for me to learn how to get along with them. And, and how, how many pets? If I remember, you had a lot of pets. Yeah. So last count. Oh, my goodness. So we had two dogs, two cats five chickens, and a bunch of fish, and a turtle, so. Yeah. A lot of pets. Yeah, a lot of pets. There was a lot going on in young Molly's life. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so what, so uh, continuing with the question, so what, you said you were six, do you remember what events led to that moment where you were, uh, recognized your need for a savior, recognized your own sin, what, what was that like at six years old? So my parents, like I said, they worked really hard to make sure that I knew the gospel from a, a really young age. But, and so my dad had tried to lead me through the sinner's prayer a bunch of times. And I, and I would say it, but um, it wasn't until one night. So our, my mom read to me every night before we went to bed. And um, my grandma had given me this book called uh, Grandma's Gospel, and she was reading a, a, a story to me, and it was at that point that, like, something clicked in my head. I can't exactly say what it was, um, but I, I just recognized that I needed a Savior, 
and mm-hmm. I needed to know the Lord. And so I asked my mom if I could pray, and um, I, I did, and that was the point where, yeah, uh, that was definitely the point where I came to know Jesus. So since that moment, six years old, praying with your mom, what, um, how, how has Christ changed your life since that moment in time? What are some evidences that the Holy Spirit is living inside of you, that you have a, a regener- regenerated spirit? Yeah, so um, I definitely didn't take, so I do believe that that was like the moment that I came to know the Lord, but also um, I definitely struggled with some things throughout high school, and I didn't realize until I was um, quite a bit older what a commitment that I had made. Um, Because it seems like, oh, you just, you know, you say the prayer, and, you know, like, that's how you live. But it was something different um, when you realize that it's an actual commitment. And throughout my life, I've always seen the Lord. Like, you can look back and look about how the Lord has worked through um, just different things that happened, like uh, the way that I ended up going to Moody was yeah. uh, people just mentioned it offhand, and I'm like, you don't, I didn't even know you were interested in Moody, or um, uh, the job that I'm doing now, it was a fluke thing that I even met the guy who, who um, got me into it, and so I feel like that is the Holy Spirit, like kind of opening doors and leading you through those, but also... Um, being married to a Christian is a huge um, part of that, and as well as um, things that used to be appealing or were appealing for like fleeting moments, just aren't anymore. Like going out and partying or um, living the way that some of my classmates did is just wasn't really appealing. Even I mean, there were moments where it was, but then you look and you're like, that doesn't lead to anything good. And so. Um, I think just he changes what you even want to do with your life. That um, I, I knew I wanted to go into ministry, which is why I ended up going to Moody. Um, and it wasn't ever about like, oh, I want to get a job that makes the most money. Like, no, I wanted to go into ministry. And so I think that um, was was part of that. Yeah, cool. Thanks. Uh, so obviously when we become Christians, um, we see those evidences of uh, the Spirit working in us. We see fruit uh, of, of God working within us. But the reality is, is we're not perfect, right? We, we still struggle with sin. And so I guess my next question to you is, how do we deal with sin, or how do you deal with sin differently now that you have a relationship with Jesus as opposed to before relationship with Jesus? Do you have any specific examples? Um, how can we live in this tension of being commanded to not sin anymore by Jesus, but yet with the reality that we sin every day. Yeah. Um, Well, this is something that uh, being married to a pastor helps with um, because he really um, teaches you this idea between the difference between justification and sanctification. So justification is that moment of conversion when you are made right with God. Um, That's the moment that the Holy Spirit changed you and um, you, you became right with the Lord. But then there's also this idea of sanctification that you have to keep continuing to be like Christ and pursuing what he wants you to pursue and pursuing him ultimately. And so there's this idea that um, 
you are going to. So actually, I have a verse if you don't mind. Go for it. Um, yes, we love scripture. <laughs> yes. So actually, contrary to some belief, <laughs> it's from First uh, John two one through six. And it says, my little children, I am writing to you these things so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him... Truly, the love of God is perfected. This we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which we walked. And so I think this verse highlights really well the tension that the apostle John expected Christians to live in. He says, I write to you these things so that you won't sin. With the full expectation knowing that they will sin. And knowing that we have an advocate with the Father. So we no longer have to feel condemned and and guilty in a way that doesn't lead us back to Christ like your guilt should always lead you to repentance to making your yes. not making yourself right with God but letting Jesus make you right with God and so um this is <laughs> there's a, also a saying and I'm going to butcher it here um but it's this uh idea of what some of the uh, Protestant reformers believed. And if you don't know about the Protestant Reformation, go look it up. It's super interesting. Super cool. Um, but they believed um, this saying, it's called, and I'm going to butcher it, but it's simul justus et peccator. And it's simultaneously justified and a sinner. So living in that tension of knowing that you're going to sin, but um, doing your best to let the Lord change you and living in the way that he would want you to live. Yeah. Um, so, our youth ministry, Hype Student Ministries here, has been studying the Gospel of John, as we just read beforehand. Um, we've been studying this, studying it this semester. What is one gospel truth, uh, uh, a truth um, that you would want middle school and high school students to know and to hold on to as they journey through this stage in their life? Okay. So, I actually have another story. Um, so, when I was in eighth grade, I kind of had this struggle in my mind about, I never doubted that God was real. I never doubted the gospel was true. I never doubted that Jesus died for sinners. Um, but I kind of went through this point where I was like, can he actually forgive like what I've done, what I've thought about? Um, and it really bothered me for a few months. Um, how old were you? I was in eighth grade, so eighth I was grade, 14. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I, it, like, it kept me up at night, and it was really bothering me. Like, am I, can I actually be right with God? And um, I went to a Toby Mac concert, and it was really fun. It was a great concert. But, um, yes. <laughs> and um, so he, right at the end of the concert, because there's always a point in Christian concerts where they have to get really serious, you know. And, um, <laughs> and um, anyway, so he said, you know, I know that in a group this size, there's probably people struggling with stuff, whether that's things you're thinking about or addiction or, or whatever sin it is. And sometimes Satan will want to tempt you to think like, you are too bad. There is nothing 
that you can do to, like, God cannot save you. And that really stuck with me because he said, you know, God's just saying, you don't have to go through all of that stuff to get back to me. Like, just turn around. I'm right here. And he said, um, there is nothing. He said, if you forget everything else that I've said tonight, which I did. I don't remember anything else from that concert. He said, uh, remember this, that God loves you, and there is nothing that you can do to make him love you more or make him love you less. And there is nothing that can separate you from that love. Mm, mm -hmm. And so I think that is the gospel truth that I would want all of you to hold on to. Yes, that, that is good news. That is something that we've tried to communicate here is that God loves you simply because of Jesus. Mm-hmm. You cannot add to that and you cannot take away from that. If you are in Christ, uh, he loves you holistically and perfectly. Yes, absolutely. Yes. So uh, to follow up with that, what, what would be some practical advice that you would give middle school and high school students um, on how to maybe share the gospel to others around them, how to love their classmates, their friends, their siblings well um, as they continue, again, this journey of life. Okay, so I actually have three things. So number one, you can't share the gospel if you don't know what the Bible says or if Mm -hmm. you don't know what the gospel is. So you need to be reading your Bibles. Um, Pastor Kent does a great job of, of giving you guys the tools that you need, so make sure that you are in the Word in between the times that you're here. So you need to be in the word every day. Um, number two, uh, if, you, if you guys have parents who are Christians, talk to them, get their advice, and not just on this, but on, on everything. Parents are, tend to be really smart, and they know a lot more than you think they know. Um, but um, <laughs> they know a That's lot. That's the truth. <laughs> um, so get your parents' advice. If you, if you don't have Christian parents, then get a mentor who can help you guide, guide you through some of this stuff. But Your um, small group leader would be a great mentor if yes. that is the case for you. Yes, and then finally, and I think this is a pretty big one that gets overlooked a lot, but ask the Lord to show you opportunities to share mm-hmm. the word, um, to share the gospel, because really there are opportunities all around you every day. Most of the time we're just not paying attention. Yeah. And, and then also ask for the courage and wisdom to say what you need to say in that moment. Because um, I find that lots of times we let moments pass that could have been a good opportunity because we're unequipped to say what needed to be said. Yeah, oh, that, that's such a good reminder. Because even in the small town of Eureka, which has about 6,000 people in it, um, there are thousands of people in our own town who don't know the gospel. And so I'm sure you pass by students every single day. The opportunity is ever in front of you to share Jesus with somebody um, that you walk by in in a hallway at school. So that is such a good reminder. Uh, Thank you for teaching us that and reminding of that truth to us. So I'm done with questions. Do you have any questions for Molly? Leaders, students, anybody here can ask a question for Miss Molly. Amber said, what is your favorite book of the Bible? We were actually just talking about this on the car ride over. Uh, I really like the book of Hebrews. There's just a lot of, um, you see the hall of faith in there, and you see just all the people who were Christians who came before us, 
and like to think about us standing on their shoulders is probably, I, I love that book. It's really cool. That's a neat book. Max, what's your question? I'll get, I'll get to you. There's a couple people that have their hands raised. Yes, Max. Uh, yes, they, uh, yes, they are. Um, yes. <laughs> Gavin, what is your least favorite uh, book of the Bible? Rough. I'm scared to answer this, but probably the book of Philemon, just because it's, <laughs> it's a, just a little more challenging to, like, apply it today. Sure. But it's a good book, too. Yes. There are no bad books. There's no bad books, just maybe some harder books to read through. Yes. Landon, you had a question, didn't you? I thought your hand was raised. No. Miles, you have a question. Food related? Sure, go for it. Any question, as long as it's appropriate. Favorite and least favorite food? Least favorite is probably any type of fish. I just, I just don't like it. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's her, it's her answer. She has the right to her own opinion. Favorite food would probably be anything like Italian. I do like ramen a lot. Yeah. Yes. <gasps> yes, Aubrey. How long have you been with God? Um. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Probably not to give away any ages or anything. Yeah, <laughs> like twenty-one years. Twenty-one years. Yeah. What's been the hardest lesson in twenty-one years? If you had to pinpoint one, listening to your parents—they <laughs> know more than you do. I'm telling you, they do, and they have been around the block more than more than you have. So, if I had listened to my parents' advice on so many things. I would have saved myself so much heartache and grief. So listen to your parents. What, what's Sorry, I'm asking another follow-up question, but what would be one, ad, one piece of advice you wish you would have listened to your parents? What topic of advice? Dating. Dating. <laughs> Take note. Your parents know something about dating. So, oh, yes, Miles, yes, you're too young. <laughs> So those who are in high school and may be allowed to date, or even when you get to that, <laughs> hold on one second. <laughs> so even if you're not there yet, talking about when you are ready, trust your parents. Yes, Gavin. We don't have any high schoolers? I thought we had one. No, I guess you're in middle school then tonight. So when you get, when you get there. so when you get into high school and you start that process, listen to your parents' advice, with the caveat as long as it's God honoring and Christian parenting advice. Right. Yeah, so. <laughs> so, all right, we'll move on. Anybody else have any other questions? Anybody have any other questions? Hey, boys. Middle school boys. Anybody have any other questions for Molly? Going once. Going twice. Anybody? Nope. All right. So, so what we do when we close our testimony nights is we like to pray for our guest speaker and um, before we send them on their way home. And so um, what we usually do, if it was a non-COVID-ish time, we would surround the guest speaker and we would pray. 
But um, I'll close in prayer. Um, and what we do, listen, what we do to signify affirming the prayer and to, to show our support, yes, we extend our hand out towards the person we we're praying for. So let's pray to close our time. Father God, we just thank you for tonight. We thank you for Molly and her willingness to um, share her time, share her energy, and to share her testimony of how you have saved her, worked in her life, uh, and continue to sanctify her and continue to grow her in Christ's likeness. God, I pray as her and Justin um, leave tonight that you would just empower them to spread your truth, spread the gospel. Um, to wherever they uh, go, to whomever they come into contact with, whether it's at the Capitol in Springfield or at PCS over in Peoria or even at the church in Kiwani. God, we just want to thank you for the work that you have done and will continue to do in them and through them. God, we love you and we serve you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.